passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me, as always, is my colleague, Peter Flaherty. And we are here just a couple days before opening day as we record this. It is uh, it is an exciting time in the college baseball world as we have finally just about reached the games. Uh, the long offseason is over, and we are we are very excited to, uh, to finally be able to... Uh, actually talk about some baseball that is going to be played this weekend, Peter. It's uh, I've been saying it's hard to believe it's here, but you know, that's just kind of my stock answer. On the other hand, like (laughs) I'm ready for it. Like we've uh, we've been doing preseason content for the last couple of months. And uh, eventually you just uh, you just get sick of that. And and so now to be able to transition from from talking about what might happen to to talking about some actual baseball is uh, is a great place to be. Yeah, like you, I've had the itch, like the a, a huge itch for the last probably two and a half, three months, really when the MLB season ended and you're kind of baseball list. And I was like, man, what am I going to do with my life? So I've I've been itching for it to come back. And then when I woke up on Monday, I think it really hit me because we we're done with all of our college preview content. And it's like, whoa, like we have we've got college baseball this week, at least at the at the division one level. So I am beyond fired up. Um, we were talking about it before we hopped on. It's a, I guess it's a good, not great slate, but you brought up a great point where it's opening day. I don't think anyone really cares about the matchups. They just care that a ton of baseball is going to be played. So um, really looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good thing that this is opening weekend because I got to say, when you look out at the schedule, it's not <laughs> like if this was, if this was what they gave us for week six or something, I would be like, this is not great. You guys just in terms of we don't have a whole lot of ranked matchups and like even the tournaments this year are good, not great. Like uh, I don't know if we'll ever see a tournament like the 2021 kickoff in Arlington when like the six teams were all in the top 20 or whatever, but we don't have anything like that this year. But what we do have, I think is a lot of intriguing matchups. I think we have, uh, you know, even if the highest level teams, you know, the top 10 type teams aren't playing each other or aren't really playing ranked teams uh, this weekend, that's fine. 
like we'll get those those teams later. I do think this is a pretty intriguing weekend for some some teams that I I just want to learn more about and uh so obviously opening weekend is a is a great place to uh to start with that. So Peter and I are going to get into some of these these games, these series, tournaments to watch uh this weekend here on the podcast. Uh but first we want to touch on a little bit of news that broke late Tuesday night on the East Coast. And that is that Stanford uh, secured the commitment of Japanese slugger Rintaro Sasaki. Uh, Sasaki is a 2024 high school graduate. He is, as I said, he is he is from Japan. He is from Shohei Otani's alma mater in Japan. And he is a completely unique uh, prospect for college baseball. He was a guy that, you know, I'm not like, uh, I'm no NPB draft expert, but from what I understand, he was the projected favorite or certainly in the mix to be the number one draft pick in Japan had he elected to stay and play professionally uh, in his home country. Instead, last fall, he made the decision to forego the draft, decided he wanted to play college baseball in America. Setting off, again, a, a unique recruitment. There's really never been a player like him uh, to come to the States directly for college. There are Japanese players in college baseball, Riku Nishida for Oregon last year, Joy Ayama at UC Irvine this year. Those guys both started at junior colleges, though, and just were not prospects at the level of Sasaki who set the Japanese high school home run record. He hit 140 home runs in high school. So schools wanted him. Like, like this, this was an elite recruit who presents unique circumstances as an international student, uh, somebody who, from my understanding, as he started his recruitment, like just didn't know a whole lot about college baseball and, and the whole process, understandably so. Reportedly, the final four t- teams he was considering, Vanderbilt, Stanford, Cal, and UCLA. And from my understanding, pretty much he was interested in like elite academics and elite baseball. And uh, Stanford's a pretty good place to go for those. And I, in in getting Sasaki, uh, Stanford is getting uh, an incredible power hitter that they can expect to plug into their lineup uh, in 2025. He, he graduates uh, in March. He will enroll at Stanford because they're on the quarter system. Uh, in April, but he will not play this spring. He is uh, he's going to be a freshman uh, next spring again in uh, in 2025. Yeah, I mean that was a, a huge, literally and figuratively get for the Cardinal. I mean he's drawn body comps and and play style comps to to Prince Fielder, and rightfully so. You mentioned he hit a, a Japanese high school record, 140 home runs. It's top of the scale raw power. He's going to be an immediate impact bat next year for the Cardinal, um, and it was a it was a trailblazing get. You mentioned Riku Nishida and Joe Yama as Japanese natives who have um, taken their talents to the states, but they they started at Merced, and I'm blanking on Riku's junior college um, right now. But Itsuki Takamoto at Hawaii. I think it was Mount also, Hood. Uh, he yes, Mount Hood. Good call. Itsuki Takamoto at University of Hawaii is also a Japan native and came over to play in the States. So I think that Sasaki might be second in, on that front. But um, again, a uh, an exciting get. I'm really excited to watch him play selfishly. I think 
I wouldn't be shocked this summer. I don't want to speculate um, if he played maybe in the West Coast League, which is where Stanford does send some of their their incoming freshmen, even though Sasaki will have already started to take courses at Stanford. I wouldn't be shocked if they try and get his feet wet a little bit and, and get him some at-bats in the West Coast League where incoming collegiate freshmen are allowed to play. So um, there is a chance he might play stateside this summer. Yeah, that, that would be intriguing. I, I had not even stopped to consider that as an option. Um Famously, Travis Bazana, Australian native, uh, coming to Oregon State, uh, started in the West Coast League. He played uh, played before his his freshman season there, and uh, he played rather well. <laughs> um, he's, he set some West Coast League records. So, <laughs> you know, like, and there are plenty of, of incoming freshmen that play in, in that league every year. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's a possibility. Uh, anything feels like a possibility uh, with, with, with Sasaki right now. And I mean, it's just really exciting that he is pursuing this path. Uh, I have no idea if this is going to be the start of a trend. If it goes well, I'm sure some players will be interested. However, financially, like the, the, the better finance, not the better financial uh, decision, but you can make as a Japanese player if you you can make more money staying in Japan and, and playing professionally there until you're 25 and you get posted and then you come to MLB. Like that is the path to the most money. You have to want to play American college baseball. You have to want to get into the major league baseball draft and minor league system as a younger player. Obviously, not everybody is the same. Like Shohei Otani came before. Most people would have, again, because financially, if he'd stayed at Japan longer, he could have made more money. Uh, obviously, that's that's worked out for him just fine. Uh, so everyone is going to approach things a little bit differently. But I don't want to, like, even if this goes great, other players may not make the same decision. But uh, I, I think this is an outstanding development. Obviously, it's it's huge for Stanford. I think it's big for Stanford, the university, even. Uh, you know, when Japanese players come to Major League Baseball, we see incredible amounts of attention paid to them back uh, in Japan. Like a lot of media come and follow those players around playing Major League Baseball. And I'm not suggesting that anybody is going to suddenly become a Stanford beat writer because of it. But I do think that there will be more attention paid. And I don't think Stanford needs to like build its global presence. Like pretty sure... Uh, Stanford is doing just fine from that standpoint. However, I like the added attention can't hurt. Like I do think that there's going to be a, a greater spotlight uh, on obviously on the baseball team, but also on the university as a whole uh, in, in Japan as a result of this. Yeah. I, again, you, you hit on it perfectly. It's, it's kind of a one of one scenario. We mentioned again, Atsuki Takamoto had a similar path, but the caliber prospect that Sasaki is, this is this is uncharted territory for really everyone. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. And that's a, a great point, too, about the Japanese media, because, um, again, there will be a, all eyes, both stateside and internationally, especially in 2025, 2026, and 2027 um, on Stanford. And it, it's he's going to be, I think, you know, thrown right into the fire. I think he's going to be an everyday starter for him, whether it be at first base or DH. Um, and he's he's going to be a hugely impactful bat, I think. So I'm 
I'm already excited to for his for his debut. Yeah, I would expect him to go right into the lineup. Stanford does not shy away from playing freshmen. Part of that is a little bit because they have to. Um, Stanford works uh, with some pretty severe university limitations on, uh, you know, recruiting class size and, and roster size and everything. So, you know, if they bring you in, they mostly they need you. Um, you know, it's not like they're only bringing in five players a, a class, but they are going to use him right away, you know, just like you saw them use Malcolm Moore right away. And I, I think he can be that kind of player, like not, he's not a catcher, but it just in terms of the impact Malcolm Moore had last year on Stanford, I mean, that's what you're hoping for out of Sasaki. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. Alrighty. So that's enough about um, a player who will not, <laughs> will not play college baseball this spring. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm excited uh, and it's going to be a great thing to, uh, to follow for the next, the next few years, but let's, let's shift gears to opening day, uh, which is just a couple days away now. Like I said, there's not like a massive series this weekend. We, we don't, we don't have that kind of thing on the calendar. So Peter, let's, uh, let's start instead Let's just go to the baseball at the beach tournament hosted by Coastal Carolina. I, I am intrigued by this. Uh, it is Coastal, Indiana, Duke, and uh, George Mason. So that's four uh, teams that were in regional finals last year. They And it will be the, st- the, the reason why we're starting here is, first of all, that. Like, I think that's interesting. Uh, but also, this is going to be the first game of the day provided weather provided whatever uh will be indiana and duke in myrtle beach uh, or in conway at uh, 11 a.m and peter like you said like what a way to start the college baseball season indiana just on the outside of the top 25 duke coming off of a super regional appearance in the preseason rankings you know as as these things go like this is uh th- this is a a pretty pretty strong start to the uh to the season it's about as 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 loud a matchup as you can get to start off the season. Duke and Indiana are two teams that I think have Omaha type ceilings. Should it all come together for them, and there there's no shortage of star power on either side. Duke, I assume, will throw prize left-hander Jonathan Santucci. And then Indiana's lineup is really really good with Big Ten Player of the Year, preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, and defending Big Ten Freshman of the Year Devin Taylor at the top. Carter Matheson, Tyler Cerny, um, these two teams can really, really play. And I know that, unfortunately, Indiana will be without Luke Sennard all of this year. Um, he went down with Tommy John surgery. He would have gotten the ball today, but um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I will be very much locked into this matchup because I, I, I'm really interested to see how Duke's offense looks. I think that's, that's the one question mark that I have with them because I have no doubt that they're going to be able to pitch and their pitching is going to be able to keep them in every single game. Um, I, I just am curious to see where that run production comes from. I know that they're going to get or expecting immediate contributions from a couple of young freshmen and Kyle Johnson and Macon Winslow. Um, but outside of that, I think Harvard transfer infielder Logan Bravo has emerged as a middle of the order bat, kind of their what's become their trademark in the last few years, that Ivy League transfer that is a, a high impact middle or bat form but um i am i'm very very excited and i think it's going to be a good um early litmus test for both of these clubs and looking at the the slate um 
you know, throughout the weekend at, at the baseball at the beach, like Indiana gets cut. Like they, it is a, a really difficult way to to start the, the the season for all these clubs, and and one of them, um, maybe two, will come out of it with a really quality two, maybe even three win weekend. Yeah, it is important to note that somebody here is going to go one and two, and somebody might go zero and three. That's just the way this is going to be. But whoever it is should not be terribly concerned. Maybe if if you're if it's coastal, I would be a little concerned just them being at home. But the rest of the those teams, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much. No matter what happens this weekend, uh, I do kind of feel good about Indiana in uh, in this setting. They. You know, Springsbrook Stadium plays offensive. Now it's so early and it will be cold still in Myrtle that maybe maybe it won't play as offensive and maybe that'll be better for Duke uh, and worse for Indiana and, and Coastal. Indiana and Coastal both have some, some things to figure out on the mound. Uh, Coastal lost most of... Coastal wasn't good to begin with uh, pitching-wise last year. They were bottom half of the country in Team ERA. Uh, and still did what they did last season. So, you know, it's not like they need to be elite uh, as, a, as a pitching staff. But, you know, they are they are looking for new players to step up. IU without Sennard, uh is looking for some new guys to step up. So potentially a tough environment to do that at Springsbrooks. But on the other hand, if you're a really offensive team at Springsbrooks, like that can that can really play in your favor. Duke you know, is, is like you said, like their, their offense is going to be a little different. No Alex Mooney uh, at shortstop. That that's something to watch this year, just kind of how that stuff works out. But Santucci coming off of injury uh, a season ago, uh, there are going to be a lot of eyes on him. He's, he's a potential first round pick. So everyone's going to be very interested in, uh, in how that looks like in, in his first, uh, first outing of the season. Yeah, and, and the Duke rotation in general, I'm I'm interested to see how it looks because presumably it's going to be Santucci and Healy, um, maybe not one and two, but at least two thirds of the weekend rotation. Then I'm curious what what ends up happening in that third spot if they if if someone like Fran O'Shell does step into the third, in into the third starter spot, which I I don't quite know if he will, um, or if they opt for someone else. I know Jackson Emus had a really good fall, but regardless, there is no shortage of pitching talent for the Blue Devils, and then. Not to give them the short stick, I know that that Coastal, Indiana, and Duke are the the three heavyweights in here, but George Mason is a sneaky team of their own. Um, they've got, again, I mean, they could, it's going to be tough because they open up with Coastal at their home stadium, and, you know, Coastal can really, really swing it. But Chad Gartland's a really quality arm that they have. Um, he's their top returning pitcher. Um, they've also got Connor Eaton is another guy that I like. The back of the baseball card is modest, but... Um, he's a legitimate prospect as well. I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to hit enough to keep up with Coastal at least early on. But it would not totally shock me if they stole one from someone this weekend. I mean, I know Mason is very excited about what they've got coming into the season. They're coming off of an uh, NCAA tournament appearance that, like I said, pushed all the way into the regional finals uh, in the Winston Salem last year. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise, and um, you know weird things happened after uh, some rain delays there and I super late night for Maryland uh, in the, the winner's bracket game. And all of a sudden, like you lose that and then you wake up the next day and I'm not trying to take anything away from Mason, but they are, 
they are expected to to contend right at the top of the A10 again this year. And, you know, I, I would peg them as as conference favorites. So, you know, if you're looking at this as a coastal Duke or Indiana fan and saying, well, like two games are going to be tough. Then we got George Mason. Like ah, that's that is not the case. They are they are battle tested uh, and they they have some some talented players of their own. So. Uh, definitely a, a team to watch out for this weekend. And uh, like you said, Peter, don't be surprised if they steal a game or maybe even two this weekend. All right, let's move on to uh, what is now uh, called the, uh, the, the the Shriners Hospital for Children uh, College Classic Showdown, whatever they're calling it now. Uh, previously, that, that tournament was in Houston. Uh, Shriners moved their sponsorship from Houston. That, that tournament held by the Astros in the third weekend of the year to the tournament held at the Rangers stadium in Arlington opening weekend. Uh, so that that's, what's happening here. It's the college opening showdown that, that we've come to know over the last few years, uh, just with a new sponsor at the front end. Uh, anyway, this weekend they've got Nebraska, Baylor, Oregon, Oklahoma, Tennessee, and Texas tech, uh, the headlining game is Tennessee and Texas Tech Friday night. Um, some intriguing teams in there overall. Nebraska uh, looking to improve on a disappointing season last year. They got off to a slow start, never really bounced back from it in terms of RPI, but did finish uh, solidly in the Big Ten. They, they, they finished fourth. Uh, Oregon coming off of that super regional appearance and the heartbreak of missing out on Omaha. Uh, Oklahoma, of course, is uh, coming off of an NCAA tournament appearance, uh, looking for a little bit more consistency. They, too, had a slow start in 2023. And then Tennessee and Texas Tech, that is a top 25 showdown. And I guess that's where we should we should focus here, Peter, is, uh, is on that matchup. A lot of new on both rosters, a lot of power on the mound for both teams, and uh I mean, that could be a really fun one on Friday night. Yeah, I think the field in general, um, it's an intriguing one, but this is the game that that sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of excitement is the one on Friday night with Tennessee and Texas Tech. Tennessee has just announced that they're going to be rolling with sophomore A.J. Russell on the mound on Friday nights, um, at least to start, um, which isn't, I think, in my mind, a total shock. He had a, a really good true freshman season. Um, pitched his way to an ERA under one across a little bit over 30 innings. But um, I, I mean, I'm interested- I, like, let me let me interject here. It is a little bit of a shock because they have preseason All-American Drew Beam. And I have not heard Tony Vitello explain his reasoning yet. But I am willing to bet here that some of this is a little bit of the start with the guy that you're not sure. Uh, like, like put Beam on Saturday. You know what you're going to get out of Beam. Put Russell on Friday and then have your full bullpen to compliment him, then have Beam, the guy that you know can go seven, six, seven, eight innings, and then reset the bullpen for Sundays. I think what's happening here, but we'll see how they how they manage it. I was going to say, that's better said. It's a more of a chess, not checkers type of move. Like I wouldn't look into it as a, a, a ding or a not an endorsement of, of Drew Beam is more what I'm saying. But um, anyways, with the Vols, they've – it's a new look. They'll have Cannon Peebles behind the plate, who was an NC State transfer. He had over 350 last year with 50 RBIs, led the Wolfpack in hitting, and they have one of the most prolific power hitters at first with Blake Burke and no shortage of star power up the middle. 
with Chris Moore, Hooley Manning second, and then they brought in Clemson transfer Billy Amick to hold down third. And I'm really excited. One one pick to click for me, and I think is a popular one in the college baseball world, is sophomore outfielder Dylan Drying. Um, he had a solid freshman year. He had just a tick under 300 with seven home runs. Super strong kid, really good approach. I, I think that there's plenty of power and untapped power in the bat. I think he's got 15 plus home run type of outside uh, type of upside. And then I think getting Hunter Ensley back in the outfield um, is huge, both from adding depth to the lineup, but also from an experience standpoint, we talk about, I know in our, our first episode of this year, we talked about a lot of the, the college world series teams from last year um, needing to replace leadership. And I think that Ensley is a team captain type of guy, a de facto captain for him. Um, same with someone like Kirby Connell, um, that I think provide a lot of value, value beyond just inside the white lines. And then I'm a, I'm a fan of the rotation. However, it ends up shaking out with beam Russell and presumably AJ Causey from Jacksonville state. Um, that's a really good trio of arms that they've got and they've got serious firepower in the back end of the bullpen. But, um, Texas tech is a hugely offensive team. Um, it start, they have a really dynamic duo in the middle of the order with Kevin Bazell and Gavin Cash. Cash has huge power from the left side, and I think Bazell, for my money's worth, is one of the more underrated hitters um, in this year's draft class. He's got a super advanced field to hit, great great field for the barrel. Um, I mean, that's a that's a pretty vaunted duo there. I just, again... There'll be some new faces for Tech as well. Landon Stripling, freshman second baseman, I think he'll contribute right away. And Gage Harrelson's a fun player in center field, but similar on, on a on a much different scale than this, um, than than George Mason keeping up with with um with with a team like Coastal. I just I'm not sure if Tech necessarily has the firepower to to keep up with Tennessee. It's going to be a great game. Uh, I I I would just be hard pressed to bet against the Vols here. I think that's fair. They have like, they, they have a lot going for them right now. Uh, the, the thing about tech is they are hungry right now. Uh, I've seen some, you know, they got picked fourth in the preseason big 12 poll and Tim Tadlock. I saw some quotes from him about how, you know, they hadn't been picked that low in the Big 12 preseason poll for a few years, and the Red Raiders took notice that that's that's the perception of of where they're at. And um, I think we picked them third in the Big 12, so you know it's not like we're we're so much ahead of of where everyone else is. But uh, I I think they can they can make some noise. I don't know if this first game against Tennessee is uh, is the place for it. That being said, Tennessee, of course, last year, very notably, did not start hot. Uh, they they started with a, a couple tough losses in Arizona at, at, in their tournament a weekend or a, a year ago. So bringing everybody together, it took some time in Knoxville uh, last year. And how quickly did they gel this year is uh, is is something to watch. Elsewhere in that tournament. Oregon is really intriguing to me. Uh, I genuinely don't know what to make of them. <laughs> they uh, they were really good a lot of last year. They they came so close to to making it to Omaha. They now have to replace an awful awful lot. So I I look forward to learning about Oregon 
uh, this weekend. And I think that Oklahoma is, uh, I mean, I guess a pick to click this weekend. Like I, I think that Oklahoma could, uh, could have a nice weekend, open some eyes, uh, with, uh, with what the Sooners could, could put together this weekend in Arlington. I was going to say, if there is one team, um, in this field that could kind of surprise everyone and, you know, maybe even pull off a, a surprise sweep or win a really good two out of three games. Um, it's the Sooners. I know they took a little bit of a step back last year after a really special 2022 season, but I like a lot of the returning talent that they have and some of the new faces that they brought in that are going to be impact guys right away. And I mean, we know their, their style of play, they're going to be pushing the envelope and push and putting the pressure on all three of the teams that they play. And, um, try and get these teams to conform to their style of play. So I, they are similar to, again, like George Mason stealing a game. Um, I, I would not be stunned at all if Oklahoma comes out of here with at least two wins and a potential upset over Tennessee. I think that the way Oklahoma plays kind of plays to the the bigger ballpark, you know, playing in a big league stadium, you've got a lot of room to, you know, hit balls into the gaps and, and you can run and, Oklahoma's gonna have a lot of fans in there, I would guess. It's uh pretty close uh to to Arlington from from Norman and there are just a lot of alums in that area. So I think they could uh they could really benefit from both the from the venue from a, a number of but both in terms of just like in the stands, the support they'll have and the I mean, there's familiarity, although that's true for all three of the Big 12 teams since they hold the tournament there. Uh, but also the the pure dimensions of that ballpark, I think, play a little bit to uh, to what Oklahoma is trying to do offensively in terms of slashing and running and, and taking the game to you as opposed to just waiting back and trying to hit home runs, which in a bigger stadium like that is uh, is is a little challenging. Yeah, no, I agree. And and just looking at that lineup up and down, it's a super intriguing club, not only for, for this weekend, but as kind of a sleeper team, at least to start going through the year, like Easton Carmichael, Jackson Nicholas, John Spikerman, that's a that's a pretty big time trio that they have. And then they also bring in Sam Houston transfer, Anthony McKenzie, and and they have some really nice supplemental pieces in um Kendall Pettis and Washington transfer Michael Snyder, who Again, you look at his his season at Washington last year, and there's maybe a little bit left to be desired, but he lit the world on fire in the New England Collegiate Baseball League. I think it was the summer of 2022 where he was the batting champion, um, but he's got tools. And then on the mound, Braden Davis is someone that I'm really, really excited about. I think that that's someone that they can be very happy with trotting out on Friday nights, and he can kind of be that anchor of the rotation. He's... 91 and 94 from the left side with a legit plus changeup and then kind of a budding slider. I saw him a lot this summer. He was really impressive in the Cape League against the best talent college baseball has to offer. So I'm very, very excited to see how Oklahoma looks this weekend, um, especially in those first two games against Oregon and Tennessee. Um, because again, it's going to be a really good early barometer as to where they stand. But I, again, in a Big 12 that at least to start a preseason is TCU and everyone else for, for lack of better phrasing. But I, I think Oklahoma is going to be in the mix um, for for pretty much the entire season. At least they have a chance to. The, the talent is certainly there. 
um, the opportunity is there, and and that starts uh, that starts this weekend. Baylor just coming off of a brutal season, they just they need something to go their way. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about Baylor. I if they if they do something this weekend, I, I'll be excited to see what that looks like. But I right now I just Baylor just needs to see some progress after a, a very difficult twenty twenty three, and uh, Nebraska. You know they've uh, they've got Drew Christo back in the rotation this year. Uh, he was a really highly touted prospect coming into uh, into school. He's had some injuries, hasn't really worked out for him yet. But if he is able to to take that step forward and be about what he was expected to be coming out of high school, that would be really exciting for Nebraska. And so that's. Uh, that's something I'm going to be watching this weekend is what what Drew Christo uh, and the rest of that Nebraska pitching staff can uh, can bring to the table. Yeah, no, he's it, it's a it's a serious arm talent. Um, like you said, he just hasn't quite put it together yet. The other thing with Nebraska is they're replacing the whole left side of their infield. So there's uh, there's another thing or the the middle of the infield rather with uh, with Anderson and uh, Bryce uh, Matthews getting drafted in the top 50 picks. So. Uh, a little bit of newness there, uh, something to watch, uh, especially in that noon game uh, to kick things off against Baylor. If you're uh, if you're tuning in for uh, one of those early games on Friday. All right, we're going to uh, take a quick break here and then we're going to come back with uh, some of the more under the radar uh, things to watch around the country this weekend. Uh, so uh, stay here and uh, we'll be right back after a word from our partners. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Peter. Uh, let's let's go out west. You're going to be out west. You're going to be in Arizona. Um, 
a variety of things happening in uh, in Arizona this weekend. You've got Northeastern traveling to Tucson to take on the Wildcats. You've got the MLB tournament in Scottsdale, which is interesting. In you've got a, a showdown on Friday night between Cal and Kansas State with a couple of high level draft prospects. You've got Oregon State hosting their annual tournament in uh, in Surprise. Arizona State, Grand Canyon uh, are at home as well. Just a lot happening. Since you're going, uh, why don't you tell us what you're what you're looking forward to out there? Yeah, so my opening night is going to be spent watching K State and Cal again. That's more of the the draft prospect type of matchup. K State, I think, is going to be a really quality club this year. But from a draft standpoint, on K State side, you've got Kalen Culpepper, shortstop, and Tyson Neighbors, right-handed pitcher. Both are in a, a very good spot to be selected on the first day of the draft. Culpepper, even in the first round. And then with Cal, you have Caleb Lomavita, the star catcher, and then Rodney Green Jr., um, an outfielder with all the tools. So that is where I will be on opening night. And then just looking at the tournament field in general at some teams I'm excited about, I think it's hard to not be um, excited about USC, Southern California. Um, year one of the Andy Stankowitz era was a – I think it was a resounding success, and they returned a ton of talent from last year's team, most notably – Outfielder Austin Overn, who led the country with 14 triples. Caden Aoki, who will be in contention to win Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. He's a pitch ability specialist. Bryce Martin, Grudzelanek, Ethan Hedges. Um, there is talent everywhere. They bring in uh, a big arm from, from Alabama and Brock Blatter. Um, really, anywhere you look on, on USC from last year's team, um, they, they get almost all of their key contributors back. Um, and then Grand Canyon is another team that I'm really excited about. They lost, obviously, Jacob Wilson, um, the sixth overall pick by the Oakland Athletics. But again, Zach York is one of the one of the best pure hitters for sure in the 2025 draft class. But regardless of class, he's one of the best pure hitters in the country. Um, plus hit tool with above average power. I really like him. And then they're going to be relying on some young talent to step up, most notably Connor Madison, who earned a weekend role. Um, out of the fall, um, and then they bring back some talent in the in the bullpen with left-hander Grant Richardson. Um, he's a he's a power lefty with a, with a mid nineties fastball. So um, they're always in contention and arguably the favorites to win the whack at least recently. And then Boston College is coming off of one of their best seasons in in recent memory, uh, arguably in school history outside of that twenty sixteen team that was a win away from from going to the College World Series, but. Um, kind of like Nebraska, they do lose a ton of firepower from last year's team. Um, they lose their most productive hitters in Travis Honeyman and Joe Vetrano. They lose a lot on the mound with Chris Flynn and Henry Leak. But on the plus side, they do get um, John West back, who emerged, for my money's worth, as, as their best arm um, down the stretch. They get him back, who will, he will anchor the rotation on Friday nights. Um, Nick Wang um, will will make the shift from third over to first base. He's got a power right-handed bat. Cameron Leary has some thump in his left-handed bat. They return two regulars on the infield with Sam McNulty and Vince Amini. So uh, there's some. The Eagles will be intriguing this year. I again, we we did it last with the ACC last year. We didn't have BC um, making a regional on our. 
bingo card either, but this year I, I, I would be even more surprised. Um, they're going through a coaching change as well, which for my, uh, from this chair, I, I am a, I could not be more of a fan than the coach Todd and Donato hire for BC. Um, he, he built Wofford up into the, into a powerhouse in the SoCon. He's an excellent recruiter. He's extremely respected in the baseball world. And I think that he is going to get BC and turn the Eagles into a, a, a perennial tournament type team. Um, but I, I think that the field in general is an intriguing one. There are a lot of really solid teams. Um, K-State and USC are the two I have circled from, from a talent standpoint and a longevity standpoint in terms of teams that could make a surprise tournament run, um, you know, deep into June. Um, but I, 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 there, there will be no shortage of fun matchups out here. And then obviously with Northeastern and Arizona, Northeastern. Well, before the, we get to that, let me, uh, on, on BC, one thing that to look for this weekend, if you're, if you're checking them out, Inter Donato, Todd Inter Donato brings, uh, or at least at Wofford played a very aggressive style of game. Like they run constantly like they are going to absolutely take the game to you and i'm just curious what that looks like at bc um you know he hasn't had a, a ton of opportunity to you know build the team exactly as he wants it like he's inheriting players from mike gambino who plays a different way of baseball obviously uh but i just want to see what like how much of what wofford did bc is going to be doing uh at least at the start of the season yeah, that's a great point. They're they are in the at least Wofford was in that Kentucky and Oklahoma school of of pushing the pace. So I think that once Coach Indonato starts to to get his guys in there, you're gonna see BC look a lot different. Um this year maybe a little bit on a lesser scale, but I think going forward that they are gonna be a a really, I think for opposing teams, just a really, really pesky and annoying team to play against, quite frankly, because it's just going to be a, a lot of havoc wreakers and a lot of problem causers. Um, but again, kind of in Tucson, Northeastern Arizona, Northeastern seems to be the popular preseason college world series sleeper, but not so sleeper, I guess, pick because everyone's picking them as their sleeper to make it to Omaha. Um, but for good reason, they have a, they return really all of their firepower from last year's team that won a program record 44 games. Blue chip prospect Mike Sirota, he's got a chance to be the highest draft pick in school history. He'll be in center field. Tyler McGregor and Alex Lane, um, who led the team last year in, in um, home runs and RBIs respectively, they're both back. Um, they've got a couple of picks to click offensively as well. And then on the mound, Two-thirds of the weekend rotation is back with Avon Cabral and Wyatt Scotty, and then they'll they'll seamlessly slide Jake Gigliotti in there on the in, in the Sunday role, who last year he had an eight-no record, um, 65 to 17 K to walk ratio. I think that um this is I, they're absolutely warrant uh, earning of their um their preseason ranking and and preseason expectations. I'm really curious to see um how they handle that at least in, in the first weekend where um, they, they take on a, a, a tough Arizona team. Um, so I'm really curious to see how they look and if they can win that opening series, I think that'd be a huge statement because even though, you know, on paper Northeastern is, is the ranked club, Arizona's unranked. 
um, Northeastern's getting all of this love, I think they would still make a, a big time statement for them to go out West and take at least two of three from the Wildcats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you're talking about uh, a significant travel situation. Um, you're talking about Arizona being at home and Arizona has a lot of fans and I don't really know what to expect from the Wildcats this year. I think Northeastern can absolutely go out there and do it. But I mean, you're, you're talking about um, a team that I don't know precisely how much Northeastern has been outside uh, this, this preseason, but I am positive Arizona has been, been able to do a little bit more in terms of on-field prep. Uh, so like this, this opening weekend, especially like that travel, just like the disparity in, uh, you know, in weather between Tucson and, and Boston, um, it's, it's a lot to ask. Uh, it's a big ask anyway of Northeastern this weekend, but I'm sure Mike Lavin will have, uh, have his team ready. And there are going to be a lot of eyes, uh, from the scouting world on this one, because that is, uh, an outstanding opportunity to see Sirota, uh, against, you know, a PAC 12 team. Yeah. And, and Arizona for the Wildcats, I know that they aren't getting as much love as obviously the Huskies are, and, and they might be a little bit, um, slept on in the PAC 12, at least in their eyes, but, um, they have a solid core offensively. I, the The addition of Donis of Adonis Guzman behind the plate. He's actually a Boston College transfer. Um, he's got one of the best throwing arms of any catcher in the country for sure in his class in the in the twenty twenty five draft class. Um, and then also Mason White up the middle. Um, the bat is is very much for real with White. I, he's a Team USA type of guy. Um, he had a absolutely berserk fall um they get emilio corona back in the outfield so they there are some key pieces in there again i it's the the theme with so many of these clubs i'm just really curious to see how they pitch and northeastern is a team that i mean they're super super gritty and tough like they will not kind of fold under the bright lights in this marquee matchup um they're i think that they're going to rise to the occasion and you know even though they they weirdly, I might be speaking out of turn and saying this, they're almost kind of the underdog still coming into this series just because of, you know, what it is. Um, so I think that if they can, if they can steal a series here early on, that's going to be a, that's a big time statement made from the Huskies that, that they are for real. Yeah. I think whether they're actual underdogs or not, like I, I do think to, to go out and start your season that way would be, uh, would be pretty significant for, for them. Uh, just, just because to, to get that kind of win on your resume right away, you have to assume Arizona is going to be solid. I don't know how good they're going to be this year. I don't know if that's going to be a tournament caliber series win. Uh, it might be, it might not be, but it's not going to be like, oh, well, you just beat the last place team in the Pac-12. Who really cares? Like, I, it's not going to be that situation either. So I, I do think it would be a, a significant start um, for Northeastern, no matter how you're looking at uh, who's projected to win there. Let's stay out West. Uh, I, at this point, I, I think we've covered like the biggest things that are happening. Uh, I'm now moving on into just like things that intrigue me. Uh, from around the country, uh, things that I'm hoping to learn from. And I think there are a few opening weekend series in California that, that fit that bill. Uh, you've got Stanford hosting Fullerton. And we talked a lot about Stanford at the top of this. We might as well talk about them now. But Stanford's pitching staff looks radically different after uh, last season. Fullerton is not 
as good as they were last year. At least they shouldn't be at the start of the season because they are much, much more youthful than they were a season ago. A lot of turnover uh, off of last year's NCAA tournament team. However, this is uh, a pseudo rivalry. Like they play this series every year. And it's an opportunity for us to get a look at, at Stanford's arms. So I'm just intrigued to see how exactly everybody lines up, what the freshmen look like, because we are going to get a look at some of those freshmen undoubtedly this weekend. Uh, so which of the the highly touted freshmen stand out this weekend is, is something I'm intrigued there. UCLA has Gonzaga. Gonzaga is coming off of a, a down season, but UCLA is also coming off of a down season. So who's going to bounce back this weekend? Are UCLA's younger players that are you know, going to be thrust into bigger roles now, are they going to be ready to go? So I'm intrigued by that. And then Washington is at Long Beach State. Uh, that's a little more under the radar, even by these standards. Uh, but UW coming off of a really successful first season under Jason Kelly, uh, going down the road to, uh, to, to Long Beach, which has a new coach, um, and just a lot of new uh, themselves, but uh, what what UW, UW needs to start strongly here, like they need to go out and win this series. Uh, but I just am intrigued at th- because, like, you know, so many players from last season have have moved on for for the Huskies as well. Like, what what is it going to look like in twenty twenty four? Yeah, I, I think all three are intriguing. I think the one that I will probably watch be watching most close is the Stanford Fullerton matchup. You're more fluent in Fullerton than I am, but at least from a Stanford perspective, I mean, it's not just on the mound where, where they lose a lot. Um, they lost Braden Montgomery, the transfer portal, Carter Graham, Eddie Park, Tommy Troy, Alberto Rios. They all got popped as well. Um, their rotation more or less got decimated and it so did its bullpen. Um, so like right away, these highly touted freshmen are going to be thrown right into the fire. Christian Lim will be in the weekend rotation. Joey Volchko is going to be a key back end arm. Aiden Keenan figures to log a lot of innings. Um, And they're going to need a lot of guys to step up. Uh, They return, obviously, Malcolm Moore and Owen Cobb, who who will be two key cogs in the lineup. But outside of that, like Trevor Haskins is going to really need to to play up. Um, Timo Becerra as well. Um, and, and so will a number of these other pieces, Matt Scott, I know is getting a lot of love preseason. Um, and I know, you know, he knows, and the coaching staff knows is that that only means so much. You actually got to go out and do it. So, um, it's going to be a, a very new look Stanford team. Um, but again, and what's become kind of the theme in the coach Esker era, they just, I mean, they find a way to win and they find a way to win when it matters most. And, it was funny on Twitter last night, someone in the, in your replies to the Rintaro Sasaki news was like, Stanford doesn't win. And then I was so happy that you quipped back and you're like, well, they've been to Omaha three seasons in a row and no other country and no other team in the country can say that. And and you're so right. Like they, they go to the college world series, how eighth grade classes go to Washington, DC. Like it's, it's become a staple, but I, this will be, I think the toughest test um, for Coach Esker, um, at least in recent memory. Um, and then also kind of looking elsewhere, one other series that piqued my interest was um, Santa Barbara and, and Campbell out in Boys Creek. I think that's a really one unique geographical matchup. 
um, because Ole you have Sarah. Going to Hawaii, but that is, I think, the only series where somebody is traveling farther. And like that doesn't even count because somebody has to go to Hawaii every year. But like UCSB did not have to cross the country to go to Campbell. Like, and they're returning it uh, the the following year. Uh, when I saw that this fall, when it came out, I was like, I. I don't remember if I asked Justin Hare or Andrew Check. It's like, what's up with that? All, all I really got was like, well, there, it, there's a return next year, and I was like, well, that's that doesn't really explain like why, why you guys decided to do this. But that said, it's a really fun one. Yeah, no, good point with the Rebs going to Hawaii. That that is going to be hard to beat. Um, but it's weird. It's almost a reversal. Usually, it would be Campbell going out to Santa Barbara, but you have Santa Barbara traveling east again. Santa Barbara in the same breath as Northeastern. Um, they had a solid year last year, but missed the tournament for the first time since 2019. Um, they dropped their last four regular season games, but they did win 35 games. They were extremely competitive. Um, kind of like Northeastern, though, they are the one of the more popular picks, at least in the Omaha sleeper realm. That rotation, I think, for my money's worth, is one of the more underrated rotations when you're talking about best rotations in the country. Obviously, you have your... Wake Forest and Arkansas and Iowa, LSU. I think that UCSB is a slept on rotation. You've got Matt Ajer back. Obviously, he's the headliner. Um, Mike Gutierrez will be a really quality guy on Saturdays who's uh, a pitchability lefty with good feel for a changeup. And then the X factor, I think, is Ryan Gallagher. Um, and in 2022, Gallagher, he was the Big West freshman pitcher of the year. Um, he had a perfect 8-0 record with a 3-2 ERA. And then the fact that they can trot an arm like Tyler Bremner out in in presumably what will be a midweek starter role, um, that really speaks to their depth. He's got perhaps the most exciting raw stuff on the pitching staff. And then looking at the bullpen, um, Hudson Barrett is one of the best relief pitchers in the entire country. And like Gallagher was in 22, Barrett last year, he was the Big West freshman pitcher of the year. Um, he was lights out with a sub two ERA logged 82 strikeouts and then it's not just pitching with them they have six of their top seven leading hitters from last year that are back and Ivan Bredauer will be leading the charge with them and then Campbell um you know they are under coach Justin Hare they're they're in their first season in what is now I think the Colonial Athletic Conference I don't know if uh, that Coastal Wolverine, Athletic the Association coastal athletic, the, oh, the Coastal Athletic Association okay I knew I'd screw it up but Nonetheless, um, they they lose firepower from last year. The two guys I have circled for them, though, um, Friday starter Derek Vartanian. He's a transfer from Gaston College. Um, he had a super, super loud fall, mid-90s fastball, split change. That's a plus pitch. Um, he's, I, I think, a really quality arm for them. And then, obviously, the experienced Lawson Harrell, who last year was the Big South Player of the Year. Um, after hitting over 370 with 22 home runs, that he will be the the anchor of that lineup. But um, they don't have as much preseason firepower, at least, that they have in recent memory. But, I mean, you talk about programs that know how to win and coaches that know how to win. Um, head coach Justin Hare fits that to a T. And so, I mean, this is going to be a really, I think, fun series. And if Campbell can come out of it, I think UCSB is is the favorite um, heading into the weekend. But if if Campbell can take a series from from the Gauchos in in week one, that is a that's a heck of a way to to start your season. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that that is a uh, 
you know, with, with Campbell, you know, having the home field advantage, UCSB has to go a really long way. But I, I'm also just like very interested in what UCSB has offensively. They were not a great offensive team last year. They returned a fair amount of it, but like they're going to have to be a little bit better this year. Um, and Campbell is a, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have some good arms to throw at them. So I think it's a good, uh, good test on opening weekend. Um, so that that is absolutely one to be watching. Uh, I'm also really intrigued by Oklahoma State and Sam Houston State. Uh, you know, we ranked Oklahoma State. They've they've got a lot of new though. Um, we're taking a little bit of a leap of faith with their pitching staff. And Sam Houston State is a team coming off of a uh, off of a regional appearance and and is a, just a really solid program overall. So I think that that's um, that's one to watch. And Air Force at Mississippi State. I am I am drawn to Mississippi State. I'm drawn to Starkville. Uh, obviously, after two very disappointing seasons, there's a lot to there's a lot on this season. Like there is uh, there there's a lot of a lot of heat on everyone in Starkville right now. And Air Force comes in, and Air Force is a is a solid team that can hit really well. Um, Sam. I'm just going to say Sam K. I, I'm sorry. The, the last name. Coolest thing I might think. There you go. Better, better you than me. Um, but he's the, <laughs> he's a, you know, coming off of a, of Mountain West player of the year, you know, Air Force has a lot of experience and they can hit. So for a, for a team in Mississippi state that has questions about their pitching staff, I think Air Force is going to be a good first weekend to, to see what, uh, what this this Mississippi State pitching staff is going to be able to do? Yeah, I that's a great call um, for kind of sleeper series of the weekend. I think it's more like I think it's going to be a very good test and an underrated test at that for Mississippi State and kind of a a little bit of a prove it weekend early on. Um, I I think that I'd like to see out of them a, a resounding series win um, to be a little bit more bought in on them and then. One like deep cut, I guess, sleeper matchup for me, and it's an individual matchup in the Swig and Swine Classic in Ship in Charleston, I believe. It's that's where it's being held, um, and it's Iowa and Ball State on Saturday. Iowa obviously getting a ton of love with the rotation, um, and presumably you'll see Marcus Morgan in Ball State. Last year won the MAC tournament, and they return the MAC batting champion in Derek Chef. Derek Scheffler, I believe his name is. Michael Hallquist was a big-time um, Division II adi- transfer addition who tore up the Northwoods League. And I think that they'll counter Morgan with Merritt Beaker, who hasn't seen a ton of innings. Um, at, he's a transfer from East Carolina. He didn't see a ton of uh, a ton of innings in Greenville, um, but he's a quality left-hander um, with a low to mid-90s fastball, quality secondary. I think that's like – that is going to be a that's an underrated test for the Hawkeyes. Let the record show I did not put Peter up to mentioning my alma mater. Last one, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. Is uh, USF South Florida is hosting a tournament with Louisville, UConn, and Indiana State. A lot of reasons to be intrigued by that. Uh, South Florida, this is a probably a pretty important year for them. Uh, coming off of a down season after the, uh, the super regional appearance in 2021, um, Louisville, of course, coming off of missing the NCAA tournament, Indiana State, off of a super regional appearance, and UConn just kind of 
kind of a, just UConn, you know, like set, set your watch to Big East champion and uh, probably in the top 25 at some point, UConn. Uh, so it's those four teams have often, at least a few of those teams have often matched up in uh, this early season stuff. Uh, three of those teams used to be in the American. Like there's a, there's a lot of knowing, a lot of similarities in, in some of those programs, but I think, I think that could be a really, I'm, that's where I'm going to spend part of my weekend. And I am, I'm intrigued by just about all of those teams in there. And I really want to see what Louisville has uh, coming off of last year's uh, very disappointing finish. Yeah. You talk about a prove it weekend. Um, this is, I mean, this is a great opportunity here for Louisville. Like you said, to bounce off what was a, a really down year last year, it's going to be a little bit of a new look club. They've got, a handful of transfers coming in on both sides of the baseball, a couple of key returners. I think the one guy I have circled that's going to, I think, be one of the leaders offensively is is shortstop Gavin Keelan. He's got a really good feel to hit. Um, short, quick, left-handed swing with advanced feel for the barrel. Um, I, I think that he is a guy that will emerge. Eddie King Jr. is a fun player. And then looking at the rotation, it's going to take on – uh, a little bit of a new look, but I, I'm pretty convinced and bought in on at, at least two-thirds of it with Sebastian Gongora. He's a Wright State transfer. He won Horizon League Pitcher of the Year last year. That's someone I know, and, and, and the coaching staff probably feels similarly, that you can feel really confident in trotting out there every Friday night. He's an experienced guy, really knows how to pitch. He's a strike thrower. Um, I, I, I know that they're excited about him. And then in the back end, Carson Liggett, he was really good last year, seven and two record three, four ERA. He's got a good arm. And then kind of the X factor is Patrick Forbes, who I, who, who is kind of been thrust into a weekend role only through nine innings last year or nine and a third innings last year, but he's got a huge arm. He's, he's got a fastball. that has been up to 96 as well as a, a curveball That's really flash, but they're, like I know that they're excited. There are still some question marks about how this Louisville team, you know, exactly is is going to perform. But I, there is reason for excitement, and I think that there's going to be reason for even more excitement if they can take two of three from you know a, a weekend that will feature matchups against Indiana State, um, South Florida, and UConn. So um, I, I, this is a very big, big weekend for Louisville. Yeah, absolutely. And three really solid opponents for Louisville and for the rest of them. Like the, all of those games should be should be solid games uh, through, throughout the weekend there in Tampa. Uh, so that's uh, that's what to watch. That's a lot to watch. Um, but like we said, there's not one thing this weekend. It's really a weekend. Uh, you know, let your eyes wander. Try and take in as much as you can. That's what opening weekend is about this year anyway, is uh, just gather <laughs> What watch whatever you want to watch. Gather as much information as you can, and you know we'll find the the big time series later in the season. Uh, this weekend should just be a fun weekend uh, for college baseball, really, no matter where you uh, where you decide to look. Uh, so we'll be back here to discuss that on the Baseball America College Podcast next week. So make sure you're subscribed to the Baseball America Podcast on your favorite podcasting app, Stitcher not Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I still miss Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill. Peter's at Peter G. Flaherty. We will be uh, 
uh, providing thoughts throughout the weekend there. And then over at baseballamerica.com, there will be a new top 25 for the first time on Monday. So uh, make sure to uh, to check that out and let us know what's wrong. I'm sure you will in uh, <laughs> comments or on Twitter or both. Uh, so we look forward to that. That's uh, that's part of what the uh, the season is all about. So enjoy this weekend of college baseball, everyone. I know Peter will. I know I will. And we're uh, we're just excited to have the season back. So buckle in. Uh, we've got a we've got a great ride ahead of us in this uh, in this 2024 season. So for Peter, I'm Teddy. We'll talk to you next time. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.